0: Well, church family, good morning, and if this is your first uh, Sunday here at Windsor Road, uh, I just want to extend you a warm welcome. My name is Randy, and I'm the lead minister here at the church, and I'm just delighted to have the privilege of getting to worship with you. And today, we're going to look at uh, a couple of passages of Scripture, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, that pertain to Exodus, and specifically, the heart. We're going to talk about the heart today. And so it's going to get personal because the Word of God is that way. Um, so I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn first to Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 to 18. I'm going to read three passages, uh, Exodus nine thirteen to 18, and you'll find that on page 51 of your church Bibles. Uh, feel free to take a copy of the Bible in, in the pouch in front of you if you don't have a copy of God's Word um, take it, put your name in it, and receive it as a gift from our church family. I'm going to read Exodus 9, 13 to 18, and verses 34 and 35. And then I'm going to read Romans 9, 14 to 24, verses which comment on Exodus 9. And then I have a bonus verse for us. <laughs> uh, in Hebrews three fifteen. Exodus 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And you will say to me then, but why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter, no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make his power known, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is God's Word. In 1914, not long after the sinking of the Titanic, there was another shipwreck off the coast of Virginia. The merchant ship called the Nantucket rammed into the steamship called the Monroe, And 41 sailors perished in the icy Atlantic. The captain of the Nantucket was prosecuted for the tragedy. But in the course of the trial, the captain of the Monroe, the ship that sank, had to endure five hours of cross-examination. And during the cross-examination, it came out that the Monroe's compass was off by two degrees, and the captain testified that though he had been in command of the Monroe for a year, he had never recalibrated his compass. And so this miscalibrated compass, which had appeared to be sufficient for navigation, proved otherwise. And the papers reported this heart-wrenching picture when it said later the two burly sea captains met and they clasped hands and sobbed on each other's shoulders. And their weeping was a reminder of the tragic consequences of a miscalibrated compass. Your heart is like a compass, isn't it? When the Bible speaks about the heart, it's not talking about the anatomical muscle that pumps blood, nor the romance of Valentine's Day, nor even athletic fervor. He plays with a lot of heart. No, biblically, The heart describes the inner person. There is an outer person to you, and then there is an inner person to you. When I I say that I had a conversation with someone, and I got to know that person, it doesn't mean I got to know their nose. It means I got to know their inner person who they really are, because that's the that's the heart. The heart describes the core of who you are as a person. The heart describes your identity, your significance. In fact, one has said that the heart reveals the hidden source of all significance, your heart. And as such, it's a compass. It's like a homing device. That exerts a commanding, directional influence over your life. Your heart is why you do what you do. Your heart is why you think what you think. Your heart is why you say what you say. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If it didn't exist in the heart, it would never have come out of the mouth. So your heart holds all your words and your heart holds your your heart holds your desires, hopes, and your treasures. You could say that your heart is its own kingdom. It's a compass kingdom, a, a cardio compass kingdom inside of you. I'm thinking of old Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Remember his compass? It was special. Rather than pointing to magnetic north, Sparrow's compass had the ability to point to whatever its owner desired most. Well, that's your heart. Follow your heart is a sacred, secular creed in Western culture. It's a gospel that's preached in stories and movies and songs. It's essentially the belief that because your heart is a compass inside of you, it will direct you to your own true north if you just have the courage to follow it. It says that your heart is a true guide and it will lead you to true happiness if you just have the the true bravery to listen to it. This this cardio compass creed says that you are lost, but your heart will save you. It's simple. It's beautiful. It's liberating. It's luring. And for lost people, it is a tempting gospel to believe. The only problem is it's not true. It's not. And here's why. And listen to me, please. The verse I'm about to share with you is a is a it's a make it or break it verse in terms of how the rest of this message goes. You really, you're gonna hear it, and we're gonna say it together, and you know, you either believe it or you don't, and well, it's Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, nine. Let's say it together on three. One, two, three. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Again, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So your heart is no savior. Your heart is a junkie. It's not the Messiah, it's sick, it's addicted to its own significance, it's diseased, it needs help. Consider the tragedy of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. Here God lets us examine the interior world of a world leader. And Pharaoh is a case study of what happens when your heart becomes hardened to the ways of God. And so here's the lesson. Here's the big idea. This is what I'd like for you to get if you don't get anything else. It's simply this. Without God, the heart will pump itself into stone. Without the life-generating, life-sustaining presence of Christ's Holy Spirit and His Holy Word pulsating through your life, the heart will pulsate itself into a concrete mess. Without God, the heart will pump itself into stone. And and in the book of Exodus, Pharaoh offers a front seat view to the tragedy of a hardened heart. So let's listen to his story and learn. Now, it wasn't always like this. At first, the pharaohs of Egypt, they favored God's people. I mean, you can read that in the book of Exodus. Pharaoh welcomed Jacob and his family and gave them the best land and, and put them in charge of his own flocks and had appointed Joseph as prime minister of Egypt and all was well, Uh, but in Exodus a Pharaoh emerged who did not regard Joseph. He became paranoid. His question, who is Joseph, became, who is the Lord? And this Pharaoh enslaved Israel and sponsored infanticide. And his successor was no better. So the Lord called Moses to return to Egypt to free Israel. And and rather than smiting Pharaoh with one nuclear plague, the Lord afflicted Pharaoh with a series of incremental, increasing, unrelenting plagues to pressure him to free Israel. And then the Lord warned Moses ahead of time that Pharaoh would refuse to release Israel even in the face of signs and wonders. And why? And here it is. In Exodus 7 through 11, we read these phrases. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. All three. Now, this English word hardened, or became hard, is actually three Hebrew words. The Old Testament comes to us by way of the Hebrew language, and those three Hebrew words are unyielding. The second word is stubborn, and the third is leaden, thick, heavy, numb, insensitive. And 22 times in the book of Exodus, we learn about Pharaoh's cardio-fossilization. And here's the general pattern. In Exodus 4 and 7, when the Lord predicted that Pharaoh's heart would become hard, In plagues one through seven, the first seven plagues, we read either that Pharaoh hardened his heart or that his heart was hardened. And then plagues eight, nine, and ten, and the miracle of the Red Sea, it says specifically that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh doesn't wake up one morning with a hard heart, it's gradual. Pharaoh's heart, he hardened his heart and then his heart became hardened and then the Lord hardened his heart. It was a process of numbing, a process of sensory depletion, fossilization. And you might ask, hardened to what? Insensitive, unyielding, numb, leaden to what? To the Word of God. Hard harden means he would not listen to God. A heart that is hard is a, is a heart that refuses to hear the word of the Lord. Pharaoh refused huah, huah. You army veterans? Heard, understood, acknowledged, and he Pharaoh would have none of that. He would rather be Lord of the Hebrews than worship the Lord of the Hebrews, the Lord of heaven and earth. And in Exodus 7 through 11, we see signs of this cardio fossilization, And one sign is a sign of false repentance. After the seventh plague, Pharaoh wants to talk. He says to Moses, okay, okay, I've sinned, I've sinned. Tell God to back off, please. Tell God to back off. And Moses... Moses dead. Exodus 9, 33 and 34. So Moses went out from the city of Pharaoh stretched out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So it's a true repentance, renounces evil, turns from it, and moves to God. Not Pharaoh. Once the pressure eased, his heart hardened. Pharaoh was this abusive husband who stopped beating his wife once the police showed up but when they left he went back after her he's become irreversibly addicted to his sin he loves being pharaoh more than he loves the lord but there's another sign of pharaoh's hardened heart and it's that he he seeks to negotiate what is non-negotiable in Exodus chapter 10, verse 8, Pharaoh says, okay, okay, you can go, you go. Oh, wait, 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 now who's going to be going? Oh, no, 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 no. Only the men can go. No, no, no. Moses says, no, all of us are going, period. And then in Exodus chapter 10, verse 24, Pharaoh says, well, uh, okay, you all can go, but the flocks stay. And Moses says, no. All of us are going, period. He negotiates. What's well, non-negotiating? Why does he do that? Because he thinks he's on equal ground with God. But the Lord explains the reality of the situation to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 9, verse 15. We read that in our Scripture reading when the Lord says, Pharaoh... For for by now, I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. I don't need ten plagues. You want to negotiate with me? You're a funny man, Pharaoh. You're funny. And then there's locusts and darkness and death of the firstborn. And Pharaoh, insanely Freeze Israel, only then to armor up and to pursue them to the Red Sea. And we, the readers, we can see what's coming, can't we? We know what, we can see what's going to happen, but Pharaoh can't, Pharaoh won't. And you know why? Because the heart that refuses to hear is the heart that becomes blind. Blind with raging resistance. And that's sign number three. And do you know while all this is happening? In Exodus chapter 8, verse 30, I mean, God's offering Pharaoh a way out. In Exodus 8:30, Moses prays for Pharaoh. And then in Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, Pharaoh's own sorcerers tell Pharaoh, boss, we think this guy is the real deal. I mean, this is the finger of God, Exodus 8. 19. And then and then in Exodus 10, 7, more of Pharaoh's servants warn, boss, you're killing us. You're ki- do, you, do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Well, no. He does not yet understand. Because he won't understand. Because his heart. He's gone through this fossilization. He, uh, a fossilized, hard heart cynically rages against God and his people. It will not listen to God's word. It stubbornly refuses to change, even in pain. And any small signs of hopeful change vanish when the pressure is off. Do you know anybody like that? You know their name? You know what Pharaoh's name was? I mean, the text doesn't explicitly say, because it just says Pharaoh. That means like Caesar or king. But this past week, I found out what his name was. You know what his name was? I know. His name was Jack. Yeah, his name was Jack. According to one famous theologian, Steely Dan, Pharaoh's name was Jack. Ah. Go back, Jack, do it again. Wheels turning round and round. Go back, Jack, do it again. Jack. 1972. Ah. In Oklahoma, we call that classical music. Go back, Jack, do it again. What's the it that Jack does again? Hmm? What is it? Well, the lyrics. Why the lyrics? Jack appears again and again and again to make a mess of his life in the land of milk and honey. Uh, stanza one. He does things in anger like killing. So... He gets arrested, gets in prison. They're about ready to hang him, but they don't. Instead, they let him go, and he goes back, and he does it again. That's stanza one. And then stanza two. He makes horrible relationship decisions because he doesn't know how to treat women, and that's stanza two. And then stanza three, he gambles, goes to Las Vegas, gambles everything, and... He said, I can quit anytime I want. And that's the third stanza. And that's the song. How sad. (laughs) Go back, Jack. Do it again. (laughs) Pharaoh has sinned himself into a state of unrepentance. And I think that the Bible is its own best commentary. And so when we look at what he became in this process, we have to consider Psalm 115, verses 2 through 8. The psalmist says, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. And those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Because Pharaoh refused to acknowledge the one true God, his punishment was that of a fossilized heart. And here's the mystery of it all. Here's the mystery of it all. While Scripture asserts Pharaoh's culpability... Scripture also asserts God's sovereignty. That is, God takes responsibility for Pharaoh's hardening. Now, I mean, how are we to understand that, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? In Romans chapter 9, which we read earlier, Paul quotes from Exodus 9, which we read earlier. So Paul's Old Testament was the same Old Testament you and I have. And Paul says, that, Paul says that Pharaoh had nothing to do with Israel's release. That God sovereignly freed his people. And why? Romans nine fifteen and 16. For the Lord says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Did you get that? Pharaoh had nothing to do with the liberation of Israel. I mean, God's credited with everything. And and Paul argues this when he quotes Exodus in his letter to the Romans. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And, of course, Paul is anticipating my question. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? You know, who can resist his will? I mean, if God hardens Pharaoh's heart, how can he hold Pharaoh responsible? And Paul responds, and you have to let the Scripture speak. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will, Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? See, 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 part of our struggle is that we want to evaluate God based on our sense of goodness, as if goodness is something outside God. But that can't be God does not decree something because it is good. You know that, don't you? God does not decree something because it is good, as if goodness is outside of God. And something isn't good simply because God decrees it. Well, then what is it, Pastor? Here it is. God decrees it because He is good. He is righteous. He is, that is God himself is the standard and and that is mysterious It goes beyond my lot could you really respect a God that you could figure out? And Paul offers a glimpse of God's goodness when he says in Romans 9:22, what if God raised Pharaoh up as a vessel of His wrath, so that in, so that in the end you, Randall Boltinghouse, might be a vessel of His mercy? What if? Not what if. That is what God did. And and for the record, God's hardening was an act and is an act directed against people who are already in rebellion against God's righteous rule. So so Exodus is not the story of a Pharaoh who in earlier days was as pure as Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but something tragic happened to him and he mutated into Batman's the Joker. That's not the story. It's not. So don't feel sorry for Pharaoh. And don't make Pharaoh your project. He's irredeemable. If Pharaoh were still alive today, he'd want to drown my nine-month-old grandson. He's not going to change. So don't try to change him. Learn from him. The Lord is merely letting Pharaoh have his way. And the point of his sorry, tragic life is this. Without God... I'd be just like him. Without God, my heart would pump itself into stone, just like him. Do you see now why, church family, I shared that bonus verse with you from Hebrews? Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13 continue, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What I'm trying to tell you is that I need you in my life to keep my heart from turning into stone. I need God's Holy Spirit pulsating through your hearts. This pastor needs the church to pastor his heart, you see. Let us us pastor one another, that none of us be hardened, because if it's not clear by now, it ought to be. The heart has sociopathic tendencies. Think about it for a moment. Think about it. What does your heart tell you Don't speak that out loud, please. (laughs) Your heart has likely said things this week that you would never want repeated. I know mine has. my heart tells me that all of reality ought to serve my desires. My heart spins the truth, shades the truth, withholds the truth, tells impartial truths. My heart seeks self-glory consumption. My heart likes to think the best of me and the worst of others unless those others happen to think well of me. And then they're wonderful. But if they don't, well, then something must be wrong with them. And no wonder Jesus, the great physician, lists the grim symptoms of this disease when he says, out of the heart, come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness and slander. This is not leadership material. The truth is no one lies to us more than our hearts. No one. Your heart won't tell you the truth. Your heart will just tell you what you want. And that makes it a lousy leader, so don't follow it. Instead, teach it to follow God. Our hearts were never designed to lead, but to be led. Our hearts were never made to be gods in whom we believe. They were designed to believe in God. And if we make our hearts gods and ask them to lead us, they will take us into narcissistic misery and eternal damnation. They cannot save us because what's wrong with our hearts is the heart of the problem. Please don't ever believe your heart. Instead, direct your heart to believe God. Don't follow your heart. Teach it to follow Jesus. Jesus never said to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in your hearts. He never said that. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Your heart wants to shepherd you today, but do not follow it because it is no shepherd. It is a pompous sheep that will get you killed. Your heart just tells you what you want, not where you should go. And we need a shepherd for that. And we have one, don't we? Jesus is our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He wants us to hear His voice and follow Him and let Him give us a new heart. For you see, you cannot fix your heart. You can't. Your your heart can't be fixed, but it can be replaced. You can get a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And that new heart will pulse the life of God. That new heart will savor the word of God. That new heart is a heart with." love for brothers and sisters in Christ, and yes, even the enemies of Christ. It's the heart of Christ. And you know what? I see that here in our church family. I do. I saw that last Sunday afternoon in the foyer with our packing party for Operation Christmas Child. It was a foyer full of happy, serving hearts. Today we're going to have a missions luncheon. To explore opportunities next summer. We have grief share for hurting hearts. Celebrate recovery. Hearts struggling with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We have food pantry. Feeding hearts that need help. Hearts that pulsate life and joy and love and generosity because they pulse the heart of Christ. It's his heart in us that gives us life. So many attempts to change behavior ignore the heart behind the behavior. And we threaten and we manipulate and we raise our voices and we give guilt trips. But that, that kind of change never lasts. You know that. Because the moment the outside pressure eases off, the behavior goes back to what it was. Because the body always follows the heart. And the heart will either rule or live under the rule of King Christ. And so the most important question we need to ask when examining the heart is what is functionally ruling this person's heart in this situation for whatever controls the heart will control the response to that situation and to that person. And God changes us, not just by teaching us to do different things, but by giving us a new heart in Christ to serve Him and Him alone. I'll say it one more time. Your heart is who you really are. And without Christ, your heart will beat itself into stone. But with Christ, in Christ, under Christ, for Christ... Your new heart will pulsate the life of heaven here on earth. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart.